0: Easter began with a declaration, right? The, if you remember the story from, uh, from the Gospels, um, the, the women come to the tomb and they're looking for the body of Jesus and he's not there. And the angel declares to the women at the tomb, he's risen. And so they rush to the men, uh, a little bit slow to get, catch on, <laughs> and they say to the men, he's not there, he's risen, just like he promised. So uh, Easter starts with a declaration, and then it moves into an invitation that we get to walk in life in the risen power of a risen Savior. That's the invitation that we have. Um, The declaration that rings through the centuries of the church, this declaration forms the central tenet of our faith. And so for 2,000 years, people have been waking up on Easter morning and they look to one another, sleepy eyed, and they say, he is risen. And everyone responds. He is risen indeed. They say he is risen. He is and, you know, we walk around. We walk around as believers with the power of the risen Christ within us. It's it's not just an Easter message. It's a message for every day that the risen Christ lives within us. The love of God led Jesus to the cross. And the power of God brought him back from the dead. When Jesus offers to us as broken people this invitation to believe, it's an invitation in our lives to receive the love of God that we all yearn for and the power of God. So I'm really not going to preach at you this morning, but I'm going to take a a little time and I want to tell a story. So I don't want to just tell the, the Easter story. Because I think it's important that we realize that the Easter story, that one day at the end of those three days, is a part of a larger story. And when we recognize that Easter is a part of a larger story, the story of God, the story of God's people, uh, I think we'll be able to see our invitation into that story. There's, I mean, we, we love stories, right? I mean, we're a people. people. Like you guys are all came hoping, hope he'll show a video clip today, right? Some of you did. All right. I'm not. Uh, why? Because we love the story. We love to be in the story. And so what I, I want to do this morning is just invite you to relax, to listen. And I just I want to tell you the story of God and God's people. And I want to tell you the story from the beginning <laughs> to the cross. And then after the story, it's a true story, right? It's the story of truth. After the story, I want to invite you to your part in that story. I want to invite you into uh, faith in the one who is all of his story, Jesus himself. So we're going to go back to the beginning. In the beginning, there was simply God. And God created everything that we see and lots of things that we don't see. In the beginning, God made two people, Adam and Eve, Right. And he created them to be image bearers. The Bible says he created them in his image. And he, he created Adam and Eve to bear his image into the world. To show the world that wasn't even yet, you know, completely existent or formed. What God was like, the creator. In the beginning, God gave Adam and Eve one simple task. Remember, govern the earth. You have dominion. Subdue it. Rule it. Be fruitful. Multiply. It's all for you. I let you be my stewards of a perfect creation. That was God's message to Adam and Eve at the beginning of the story. But Adam and Eve, like everyone after them, though they were the first, thought better. And they seized control from God. They were, I mean, maybe this sounds like a strange word, but it's the best I can come up with. They were usurpers. They usurped the, 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 the earth that God gave them. They didn't just steward it like God's stewards. They took it and they wanted to use it just for their own ends. They, they got greedy real fast. Pride hit them and then fear hit them. They usurped the rule of God in this world. They used in pride what God had given to them in grace. They used in pride what God had given to them in grace. And instead of listening to the word of God, to God's words, it wasn't a book then, it was a person. It was God speaking to Adam and Eve. And instead of listening to God's good word, they listened to God's enemy. I'm not going into that story of Satan. He's real, but he's, he's done for. Right? But they listened to God's enemy. And they forfeited the opportunity that God gave them to be stewards, to be under governors of God's creation a part of God's story in a perfect world. For one dark moment of the story, the image bearers acted like God. Does this sound familiar? The image bearers who were supposed to represent God, they acted like God. So God banished them from this place of perfection and he cast them into the world as we know it. We never saw that world that they were born, brought into, right? But Jesus is coming to show us what that looks like. It started in a garden, it ends with Jesus being the center of that garden and a city of light. That's where the whole story is headed. But we got a few more things to deal with first. God would have to find another way for his image bearers to, uh, to co-govern the world as stewards. And sadly, all of the descendants of Adam and Eve became usurpers. Every descendant of Adam and Eve all the way down went and did the same thing took control where God had given them a gift, they seized it for their own. And, and, and from pride and from fear comes all the mess that, frankly, we all live in these days. All the descendants of Adam and Eve have proven the same pattern. Don't take any offense here. We're, we're communally together. We're all usurpers. We've all grasped whatever God has given us for our own and, and left the path of God we all want to rule, but not under God as God's undergovernors, right? Deep in our hearts, we want to be gods and goddesses. We want to be independent of God. God gave Adam and Eve's descendants the opportunity to make things right, but they cascaded into a nightmare of seizing control. I mean, generation after generation, story after story, people after people. But God is gracious. Remember when God showed himself to, to um, Moses, the scripture says God is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and abounding in love and faithfulness. So even though God gave a perfect place to a perfect people and they fell, he, he came back over and over and over again to give the descendants of Adam and Eve, the usurpers, a way to come back into relationship with God. So God first had to choose another way. And God chose a man, Abraham. You see, we got started way back. God chose a man, Abraham, and he chose a nation, Israel. And God said to this man Abraham, I'm choosing you, and I'm putting my blessing upon you, and you're going to be father of a father of many nations, and to you I'm giving the promise that you can co-govern The world, like Adam and Eve were supposed to. And Abraham took it, and God, with Abraham, on a mountain, gave him a promise. Made a covenant with Abraham. God wanted his chosen people to live properly, as a people that were under his rule, but who got to experience his presence. God never intended men and women to be just slaves. He called them to be stewards. And then we see in the New Testament to be co-governors, to be heirs, to be sons and daughters. Imagine the look in God's eyes when he created Adam and Eve. Imagine the, imagine the joy that filled him. And imagine the sorrow when he saw them turn away. But it wasn't anger in the main that was kindled. It was compassion. And so the whole story of the Old Testament is God's compassion God gives the people, his people, Israel, a book, the Torah, the first five books of the Bible. And he gives these promises and renews the promises again with Israel at Mount Sinai. And this book was given to them to guide them, to govern them, right? And if they would be guided by the book and governed by the book, then they would have redemption and they would flourish. They would be blessed by God and be a blessing to every nation on the earth. But... They didn't allow the book to guide them. And so they went again into that nightmare. Israel asked instead for God to give them a human king like all the other nations. God wanted to speak first and then he gave a word and he said, this will govern you. And they said, no, we want a king like every other nation. And God in his love and mysterious grace gave him a king. Gave him a good king, David. But back and forth, the kings throughout the centuries, you know, some followed good and some followed evil. Each of them, in the end, proved to be a usurper. So God sent prophets to warn them, right? We're about midway through the Old Testament. You follow me? God sent prophets, people that would speak the word of the Lord to them. Tell them, God's gracious, come back. God's merciful, come back. The love of God is never failing, come back. Always giving an opportunity. To let go of control and to surrender to God once again. Sometimes God had to discipline his people to get their attention. And sometimes that discipline worked and they came back and there was renewal. There was revival. There was life and health for God's people. But soon Israel would forget the assignment that God had given to Adam and Eve. The assignment that they were a nation of image bearers. That they'd been given the image of God to give to the rest of the world, to represent who God is to the world, the Creator. So, after years of deafening silence, God launched his final plan. So, 2,000 years ago, God broke into history with someone who represented both the descendants of Adam and Eve and the divinity, God. God had to find a person who could make a way between. The descendants of of Adam and Eve who were broken and the God who was perfect. And so he sends Jesus to Israel through Mary and Joseph. God told Mary through an angel that her son Jesus would someday rule on God's behalf as Messiah. Not a usurper, but a rightful king, a perfect, just, compassionate, gracious God. Though Jesus did exactly what God told him to do, neither Israel nor the world around them accepted Jesus as the, as the Savior. And so we watched the Passion on Friday night right here in the sanctuary, and we cried together, watching Jesus, the Messiah, the perfect descendant of Adam and Eve and descendant of God, the one and only, the true King, be mocked and scourged and beaten and eventually sent to a cross. Over and over, we see that we're all usurpers and we really don't want someone else telling us what to do, even the one who made us. Though Jesus did good everywhere, he went, though he healed and rescued people from all manner of devastation and brokenness, though he brought hope and life and healing to so many people, he turned people from usurpers into lovers. Still, the descendants of Adam and Eve, the Roman and the Jewish, decided it would be better off to get rid of him, to just kill him. Those who held religious power feared that they would lose their control over people and the people would be drawn away from love for them and look upwards towards their creator again. The usurpers were in control and the descendants had descended to the lowest form of rejecting God. But what we celebrate today is this, the usurpers and the descendants did not know that Jesus was paying the price for their fear, their rejection, their evil, that he was dying the death they deserved for usurping God's power and rejecting God's love. They didn't realize that Jesus, as God-man, was walking the perfect way of submission. They didn't catch it. They didn't get it. Not even Jesus' closest disciples. How many of you read the story of Peter and you think, I never would have done that? I think that. And then reality comes. Yeah, I could have done that. When fear takes over, he didn't know, they didn't know that he was dying their death and shouldering their sins and that the punishment that was rightly due to them was being taken by him. He was absorbing the just wrath of God against all sin. What they didn't know was that God was reversing the scarred history of humanity, even as humanity was scarring God. They they didn't get it. They didn't see it. What they didn't know was that Jesus dying as a servant was the only true way of bringing life to people and making peace for the world. They didn't understand that the cross was a crown and that power comes only when it's surrendered. What the usurpers didn't know was that they'd met their match in King Jesus. Can I have a hallelujah? They'd met met their match in King Jesus, who was bringing to earth a brand new kingdom. The love of God revealed from heaven. The power of God revealed on earth. To reverse history and redeem the world he made, God disrupted all the normal categories of history. All the normal categories of history. And the death of Jesus became the beginning of eternal life for all. God messed, you know, Bill Johnson says, Jesus messed up every funeral he ever went to, (laughs) including his own, right? On that first Easter day, God raised Jesus back to life to end the dominion of death, to prove that the usurpers would not have the last word, and to show that the descendants, that's you and that's me, could have a whole new lineage and once again be image bearers. That's why we walk around today bearing the image of God imperfectly but purely by the Holy Spirit. To make this altogether clear, Jesus appeared after his resurrection to many descendants and then he was taken up into the presence of God. And what this story shows is that what people fear the most is the godness of God, his power. And at the same time, sort of paradoxically, what people long for the most is the godness of God, his love. We, we long for it. We yearn for it. Proverbs says that what a man wants is unconditional love. It's the driving force of our lives. And Jesus showed it on the cross And revealed it in glory by coming back from the dead. And this Jesus is that God who created us. And that's why the good news that Jesus proclaimed, the good news that his followers proclaimed, the good news that we as the church, though imperfectly, continue to proclaim, is that Jesus is the Messiah. Jesus is the chosen one. Jesus is the one that revealed love from heaven and power on earth to walk through any difficulty, to conquer any sin, to redeem any brokenness, any brokenness. He's the one true king. So finally, all the usurpers, that's us, got this one perfect king. And he came not with anger, but with love. He didn't come to lord it over us, but to show what what his lordship looked like by serving us. He showed us what humility looked like. He showed us what it would look like for image bearers to co-govern a world with God. Right. By releasing perfect love and compassionate power. That's what Jesus gave to us. That's what was released on earth when he rose from the dead. And God invites us. He summons all people. To accept his loving, forgiving, peaceful, gracious, and transforming rule in their lives. If we will but turn to him. That's our part. If we will but turn to him, we'll be forgiven. Our usurpation, our seizing control will be forgiven forever. And our ruined lives can be made whole. How many just really need to hear today? that ruined lives can be made whole. Ruined lives can be made whole. There's no more ruined a life than the, the, than the death of Jesus on the cross. I mean, death is as bad as ruination gets, right? And, and Jesus completely flipped what death was all about to show that by dying, he'd bring life. The love of God is now revealed in our lives. The power of God's released in our lives. And our slow and certain deaths become abundant in eternal life. So this now, the path of Jesus to the cross and the power of Jesus in the resurrection, is the alternative to seizing control in fear and the right way to steward the world on God's behalf. By loving others with everything that we have. Knowing that true power comes from perfect love. True power comes from perfect love. And God's chosen to let those who turn to him to be people of this kingdom. And he summoned them to believe, to turn from pride and fear. And we get the chance today to so identify with the death of Jesus that we're we're planted in the death of Jesus. And when Jesus rises again, that's past, present, future, we rise with him. We rise with him. We live with the power of the risen Christ within us. And now with Jesus as our king, the true image of God, God's restored to us. Yeah, imperfect in the church, but he's restored to us this opportunity to, to be co-governors with God in the world. We just don't rule as the others do. We rule with love. We rule with compassion. Mercy triumphs over judgment. We're image bearers, like Adam and Eve were meant to be. But with this difference, 50 days after Jesus ascended, Jesus sent the Holy Spirit to the church. And we don't walk around with just a a dead word or a memory of the past. We walk around with the same spirit that brought Jesus back from the dead, living in us. It's a gift. We don't work for it. The price was paid. It's been given to us. And everyone who's given their lives to Christ, the spirit dwells within you. Boy, walk out today with that knowledge. The spirit of the living God dwells within you. The spirit that transforms people into the type of people that can present God's image to the world. We do this by living out this story. By living out this story. By drawing people from every part of the story. And telling them there's a savior. There's a redeemer. There's one who beat death. There's one who forgives sin. We're redeemed. One day, this Jesus is coming back. And we're between the times right now. The first coming and the second coming. And one day, he's coming back. And then all the usurping ends. Then never again is there any human to mess with God's image. Because the the perfect comes. And we walk in that perfection. Perfection. The Bible says that when we see him, we'll be like him. What does that mean? No idea. (laughs) But I'm pretty sure it's awesome. In Jesus, love and power from God have been revealed and made available to us, to men and to women. The love of God led Jesus to the cross and the power of God brought Jesus back from the dead. And the invitation to us, usurpers, people who seize control is that we can, by the love of Jesus, be reconnected with God. The love of God can be released into our lives. The power of God can be released in our <laughs> lives. Our invitation is to believe the story. Our invitation is to believe the story and then to find ourselves and place ourselves by faith in the story so that we can serve as image bearers of Jesus so that our broken lives can be redeemed, so our sin can be forgiven, so that the power of the resurrection can really flow in us and through us. When a person believes that Jesus was the chosen king, sent from God to pay the price for all the ways that we've usurped God's authority and spurned his love, God releases his love and his power into that life into our lives today. For our entire lives, the God who has created us has been pursuing us. I mean, don't each of our lives kind of just follow that whole story that I just went through? Each of our lives where we we give up and we turn away and we seize control and pride and fear. We were made in God's image to bear God's image, to walk in the love and the power of God, to walk through life with God. And the God of heaven invites us into a personal relationship with him through Jesus. If this Easter day, 2016, you want to have that relationship with God, to experience the love of God revealed from heaven, the power of God surging through your life, You need only to express your faith to God in prayer. So, Lynn, would you come forward and worship? And just in a moment, I'm going to ask a prayer ministry team to come forward. Because God invites us to encounter his love and his power. The love revealed on the cross. The power revealed at the empty tomb. He invites us to be a part of it. It's not just nice words in a book. It's living encounter with the risen Christ by the Holy Spirit. So what I want to do is is, uh, just bow our heads together. And I'm going to pray. And I'm going to, to pray a prayer that expresses faith in Jesus as the risen one. Faith in Jesus as the true king. Faith in Jesus as the one rightful heir to all. Who gave himself for us and then rose again from the dead. As I pray this prayer, I'm going to do it slowly. And I do it with purpose to give anyone in the room here this morning the opportunity to be right with God. To have the love of God poured out in your life. To have the power of God to forgive your sin. This is how we respond with faith. Let's pray. God, I'm a usurper. I've taken control of my life and I've made a mess of it. I lack the power to manage it. And I long for the love that I don't know where to find. God, I need you. I need your power. I long for your love. This day, I declare my belief that Jesus was God in flesh. I believe you sent him to die on a cross to bring me back to you. In faith, this day, I claim his death as payment for my sin. God, forgive me. God, I give control of my life to you. I invite your Holy Spirit, the Spirit that brought Jesus back from the grave, to live and to reign inside me. Thank you, God, for bringing me into your brand new kingdom. Thank you for receiving me as one of your children. Thank you, God, for giving me this day the gift of eternal life. Amen.